Welcome to the Awaken Podcast. We are so happy that you have decided to join us. Hopefully, you will find the next few minutes challenging and refreshing as we consider together how God is asking us to respond to His grace. If you are listening because you are unable to join us at our physical location, thank you for keeping in step with us, and we will look forward to seeing you in person next Sunday. If you are joining us from outside of Anchorage, then please drop us a line and let us know where you are listening in from. We would love the opportunity to connect with you. If you are exploring faith for the first time or just trying to figure out what Awaken is about, please don't hesitate to drop us a line and introduce yourself. We welcome any question you might have about life, the Christian faith, or Awaken Church. May God be with you as you listen. Well, last night I was at a state championship basketball game. Mm-hmm. All right, a few South fans in here. Uh, South B East, they haven't lost in like 50 games. Supposedly some sort of a powerhouse, but we took them down. And so my voice might be a little bit gone after about three minutes. Uh, but uh, as I was watching the game, uh, one of the things I realized is they do some different things to like try to keep the crowd hyped, having a good time. And they have this gun where they shoot out T-shirts. So... Uh, They've got some different things going on. I thought maybe I could toss some T-shirts out today, and I realized, no, those cost the church money, so you have to pay for those. Um, And then I thought, well, there are these cheerleaders. They do flips across the floor, kind of keep people excited. You know, I thought, well, I could do a stunt, right, to make sure that you guys, like, go away thinking that sermon was amazing. Yeah. You guys want to see a stunt? So I've been working on a backflip, all right? And I've, as I'm getting older, I'm trying to stay younger. So I've been working on a backflip. But my problem is I can't just do it on, like, a flat area. I have to go from an upper level to a lower level, okay? So this is what I want, is that I'm going to turn around. And as I do that, I need you guys to chant, Levi, Levi. Because I, I got to get excited about doing this thing, because this is actually the first time I performed it live. So... Uh, you might want to move over one chair or back. That's a good idea. I don't know if I'll get that distance, but we're going to see what's going to happen. And I guarantee you, this is going to be exciting, okay? Here we go. There is no way I'm going to do a backflip. Are you serious? How many of you thought, like, there's a 51% chance he's going to jump? Nice, okay. Hey, just so you know, we're getting close to April Fool's, so be ready. So there's actually a, a, something, that, something else that gets, uh, you know, that brings excitement to the Christian faith. Uh, there's something else that brings excitement to this journey that we are on as followers of Christ. So I'm going to uh, direct us to Psalm 1, the first Psalm, and uh, the first few verses. So uh, they read this way. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around, like hang out with sinners or join in with mockers. We're not saying we shouldn't hang out with sinners. We're talking about how we're being influenced here. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. This is where the joy comes from, right? When we delight in the law of the Lord meditating on it day and night. Meditating is like Old Testament verbiage for like really thinking deeply about it, really focusing on it, sort of like obsessing over it, like having that 
sort of dominate your life, the way that you live, right? Meditating on it day and night. They're like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. So maybe you've never dreamed of being a tree, but if you have ever dreamed of being a tree, you should dream of being by a river, uh, because that's where the water is. And so the point being made here, here is that uh, this is where the water is for those who follow God. This is where it's at. This is the joy to understand what it is that Christ is calling us to, to meditate on that and to see the transformation that happens in our lives, to see the results that flow out of us as a result of being focused on who Jesus is. It just so happens that as a church, in preparation for Easter, we're doing a number of things. One is we're doing some uh, like a uh, fun outreach to the community. Uh, we're going to try to get as many people on our property as possible to maybe have it click in their minds that they too could go to church and they too could uh, be a part of an incredible community and they too could hear of the truth of Christ. And so we're going to we're going to try to draw them in with cheap tricks, <laughs> with an Easter egg hunt. And so it's just an easy invite uh, for, uh, for you to invite your friends. We need help uh, stuffing lots of these. So don't forget your bag. They look a lot like that on the table as you leave. So we're going to do some things like that. But most importantly, we are going to prepare our hearts and minds as we head towards Easter, uh, which is like this climactic moment in you know, the, the Christian year where we really celebrate in as big a way as possible who Jesus is and what he has done for us and the fact that he, well, he rose from the dead, which we think is pretty awesome. And so that is what Easter's about. And so we're gonna, we're, we're, we've just been preparing ourselves by doing this, things, this thing from Hebrews 12, one and two, which I'll read here in just a moment, where we're fixing our eyes, we're setting our eyes on Jesus. Because the promise of scripture is that when we set our eyes on Jesus, we're transformed. When we focus ourselves fully on who God is and what he has done for us, then we are transformed. Like if you're wondering what the secret sauce is of leaving behind an old life and taking on the new life, a new life that, that God has created you for, that's the secret sauce. So uh, we're going to do that specifically this morning by going through Colossians chapter 3. Uh, if you are old school, and you have your paper Bible, uh, you can turn there. If you'd like, you can follow us digitally, or it's going to be up on the screen here as well. But uh, we'll just start with the first few verses of Colossians chapter 3. It says, since you have been raised to a new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Set your sights on the realities of heaven. I don't know if you do this. I'm sure you do. But when you read the Bible, uh, you sort of read it according to your own personality. And so uh, when I read this phrase, set your sights 
on Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, the thing that comes to my mind is reticles. Now, I know not everybody in the room is a hunter, or maybe you don't even appreciate guns at all, uh, but I happen to have a, a great appreciation for them. And so this is what comes to my mind, reticles. And you may not be aware of this, but there are all kinds of different types of reticles. And so depending on which you know, site you get, scope or, or whatever, there's going to be, uh, you know, you're, you're going to be able to select a different type of reticle. Has anybody ever gone to, you know, like a sports store and, yeah, you know, okay, all right. You, and you've, they have those scopes out you can look through. They have different reticles. Anyways, this is what I think about. I think, okay, we're, we're all a little bit different, right? We all have our different peculiarities in life. And so maybe our reticle might look a little bit different than somebody else's Reticle, but the whole point of this is an encouragement to set our sights on Christ. Uh, one of the things that you, one of the things we know is whatever we look at, that's that's probably where we're going to go, right? The things we look at, those are the things that are going to form us. Those are the things, uh, you know, that that we're going to go toward, and so. So many times in Scripture, we're called to, you know, Hebrews 12, verse 2, to, to fix our eyes on Christ, right? To get, get ourselves oriented. One of the things that we know as Christians is that, you know, we don't just become a Christian and then permanent, we don't have permanent, like, gaze fixture on Jesus, right? We have to kind of fight to keep our eyes on Jesus because there are so many things in this world that try to, they try to bump us, they, they try to get us to, to fix our eye somewhere else. And we can really only look at one thing at a time. This is something important for us to consider. This is really the thing that God is calling us to over and over is to fix our eyes on him and on him alone. Um, one of the things that happens when you're shooting a weapon is that when you fire the weapon, you, like, you lose the target because the weapon is it's moving. And so you, what you have to do is you have to reacquire the target, right? And there are different sites actually help you do this faster, uh, but you want to reacquire the target. So that's so often what we are called to do as Christians. What we have to do in the Christian journey is to reacquire the target, right? We can only look at one thing through the scope. There's only one target. I mean, could you imagine looking through a scope that had two reticles? That would be like impossible to kind of figure it out, right? I mean, are your eyes weirding out just thinking about that? If you've ever looked through a scope? Two reticles wouldn't work, right? There's only, we can only look at one thing. We can only focus on one thing at a time. And so, you know, this is the idea behind God calling us to Worship him and him alone. To have our radical set on one thing and one thing only. And there are so many things, right, that can bump us off course. And so we have to redirect. That's why we come together. One of the reasons we come together as a church on a weekly basis, right? Last week, we, we talked about the need to do this kind of daily, right, on a daily basis to, to reacquire our target, Set your sights on the realities of heaven. 
Have you ever thought about the realities of heaven? Just to be clear, I don't think what's being asked of us here or, or what we're being encouraged to do is to like have visions of angels, like to picture the seraphim. I don't think that's what is being asked of us. I think we're being called to think about some of the realities in this world that are real because of the realities of heaven. So I'll give you an example. One of the realities of heaven is that heaven is real. Right? And, and just thinking about that, processing that, actually transforms us. It actually makes us live differently and think differently and act differently towards others. Um, one of the things that uh, C.S. Lewis would bring up about the, the realities of heaven and this earth interacting is uh, he would warn people to be very careful about how we treated other people within the church because those people, we were going to be with those people for eternity. I mean, think about that for a little bit. We have maybe a convenient thing in the United States where if you're at one church for a while and things don't work out there, you can go just to another church for a little while. The problem with that is there's some chance that you're going to be in heaven with also those, those other people. So Jesus is going to put an end to the whole church shopping thing. There are all kinds of realities of heaven to be, uh, uh, you know, maybe a little bit more serious. Maybe you're going through a very difficult thing. Um, you know, I could list off a bunch of different examples, but maybe you're going through a very difficult thing, and one of the realities of heaven that you need to consider is that heaven is not far away, is that our lives here on earth, they're really not that long. I mean, maybe if you're a teenager, you're thinking, oh, I got lots of time. But it goes pretty quick, right? I mean, how many of you are, well, I don't need to do the math for you. It goes pretty quick. And from what I'm told, it gets really fast at the end. And maybe you need to remember that heaven is near. That this trial, this struggle, this very difficult thing, well, it's not going to last for that long. There's a day coming. There's a moment coming when it will be over. I don't know if you've ever been in like a really intense physical struggle. Uh, maybe you've tried to, I don't know, I'll just pick, run a marathon for right now. Probably not a lot of people. So let's say a half marathon. Let's bring it down a little bit. But I think it helps a lot. I've never ran one, so I'm just guessing here. I run like a fourth marathon in phases. But... <laughs> But let's just think about this. It probably helps a lot to know that there's like a finish line, right? And knowing that there's a finish line and at the end of the finish line, there's pizza and chicken wings and some good things to, re you know, restore yourself, right? That's going to help you run that race and get through the pain and suffering. I mean, that's a, that's a very light example. But when we're going through actual very difficult things in life, one of the heavenly realities that we need to remind ourselves, one of the ways we keep our eyes fixed on Christ, 
is to remind ourselves that, you know, heaven is not far away. And it also works on the flip side when things are going really well for us, right? Everybody's happy with us. We just got a promotion at work. Our coworkers love everything we do and say. Uh, our family is calling us all the time, telling us how wonderful we are. The sky is blue. Our vehicle is running well. You know, we just got a car wash. Everything is just in order. And we're starting to think about how incredible this world is and how good things are for us. And we're starting to think about how we can maybe add to that, make life a little bit more pleasurable, a little bit more entertaining, a little bit better, a little bit more safe, secure. We're thinking about really establishing ourselves here. Maybe one of the realities we, of heaven we need to remember is that heaven's not far away. And this world isn't actually our home. Uh, we're supposed to treat our homes here like tents, like these little temporary dwellings. We're just in and out. There are a variety of realities of heaven that you may need to consider. Uh, the big idea here is that we do spend time considering them, that we spend time thinking about them, that our focus is on the realities of heaven. Romans 8, uh, 5 and 6, just a couple of verses. Uh, Krista read this whole section earlier, but it says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about the things that please the Spirit. Right in, later on in, in Romans uh, chapter 12, In verse 2, it says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you in a, into a new person by changing the way you think. This is critical for us to, to pardon the pun, but to get our minds wrapped around this concept about how important it is that we think about the right things, that we think about the realities of heaven, that we think about things that are eternal, that we think about who Jesus is and what he has done. Uh, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Are you thinking of something? Especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this, right? Here's the sauce. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. So, do we have this as a daily pattern? Do we, obviously you have it as a weekly pattern, even if it's your first week, congratulations for establishing this as a new weekly habit. Do we have this habit, this pattern of fixing our eyes, of reacquiring our target? Reminding ourselves what it is that we are pursuing, where it is we want to go, how it is we want to be transformed, who it is that we want to be like. Verse 5, Paul writes, so put to death, Colossians 3, verse 5, so put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. When I hear this word lurking, I think about like some sort of a gas, like working its way through my house. Uh, like somebody left a gas port on. 
and there's this gas just lurking its way through my house. And sometimes you don't, with gas, let's say put something in there so you can smell it, right? You don't know it's there until, until there's ignition, and then you know it's there, right? And this seems to be like, you know, one of the ways sin operates. It just lurks in our life. It just, it hangs out. Sometimes we're not even aware of the ways we're being influenced by culture, of the ways we're being distracted, how our, you know, we're getting tired and our, our target is shifting to something else slowly. Something's more attractive, seems more attractive in the moment. And then, boom. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Right? In Genesis 3, 4, sorry, Genesis 4, when God is talking to Cain, he tells Cain that sin is like this snake sitting right outside of his door. And Cain has got to, he's got to conquer that. It's waiting to strike, and Cain has to conquer it. The Bible uses graphic images whenever it's talking about, like, graphically violent images, whenever it's talking about getting rid of sin. Jesus, right, you guys will probably know this, but Jesus says if your right eye is causing you to sin, what? Gouge it out, like the image of taking a stick and gouging your eye out, gruesome. Nobody wants to see that. But that's the kind of imagery God wants in our minds to understand what it takes to get rid of sin in our life. Right? There's this imagery of crucifying our sin, killing it. Uh, what is it in our life that maybe needs a little more effort to remove than we've been giving it. Um, have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. I feel like I'm guilty of all those things I just read. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been involved in a remodeling project. Has anybody ever had that fun? Okay, all right. So you have the planning stage. You kind of figure out what you're going to do. You know what you want, but then what's the first step when you're going to start your remodeling project? Demolition, right? We sang a song earlier about God working in the ashes, right? And sometimes we need to, we need to create some ashes, right? We need to do some demolition. Even if you're going to do new construction, you think there's no demolition, but that's what the excavator is there for. First step, send in this massive demo machine, right? We got to we got to prepare things. So what in our lives needs to be demoed, destroyed, crucified, killed, right? Even if it takes a little violence, like please don't actually gouge out your eye, 
but it may feel violent in your life. It may feel like it's going to be violent, like you may have to go through some embarrassment. You may have to go through some transparency. You may have to go through some humiliation. You may have to go through some difficult thing. You may have to work so much harder at focusing your mind, at capturing your thoughts and making them adhere to the way of Christ. You may have to work so much harder. It may be painful, but it is worth it, right? Demolition is worth it. Because it creates an opportunity for something beautiful to be put in its place, for something new and fresh to be put in its place. The last verse that I read says, You have stripped off your old nature and all its wicked deeds. And so this is the image of stripping clothes off. That's um, going to come into play later in this passage. Verse 10, he says, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn. There's the mental piece again. As you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter. Paul seems to switch here a little bit. I'll explain it, but. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile. These are national identities. Uh, excuse me, that's like a, a uh, religious identity. Circumcised or uncircumcised, religious identity. Barbaric, this is what Romans called anybody who was not non-Roman. They were a barbarian. Uncivilized, which would be like uh, Scythians. So uh, this would be uh, people who were even worse than the barbarians. A slave or free, so social status. Uh, Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. What Paul is getting at here is taking on a new identity. So he's striking at all of these things that people use to create their own identity. And he's trying to remind us that we have a new identity in Christ. It's completely new. It doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter if you're an American, a Russian, a Chinese, a Korean. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're a high social status or a low social status. These identities are they're, they're, they're gone. They're fading. They're, they're meaningless. The only identity that matters, what says Christ, is all that matters. And he lives in all of us. So since God chose you to be the holy people he loves... You must clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Um, you're probably aware of the fact that I wear clothes. And can we say, praise the Lord? Yeah. <laughs> well, and I, maybe you haven't paid attention to this or not, but I tried as much as possible to wear jeans and like a plaid, flannel, something like that. Because I, I don't want to be mistaken for somebody who's not manly. And as far as I'm aware, in this world, you know, this is like the, the signal of manliness. <laughs> right? 
beard? Yeah. It doesn't grow in very well. You brought up one of my insecurities, Dallas. Jeez. <laughs> so this passage is saying to clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, right? To put Jesus on as your identity, to make Jesus the way in which you are identified. When people think of you, not that they think of your clothing or your social status or your national identity or even your, like, your religious sort of affiliation, but they think about Christ in you. Uh, this next verse, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. This is one of my favorite passages. I like to quote this to people right after I've offended them, um, which is a fairly, you know, it's, it, you, believe it or not, I, I do this every once in a while. I offend people. I uh, probably offended somebody earlier by bringing up guns. And maybe you're sensitive to that issue. Well, make allowance for each other's faults. I mean, it's right there. Um, remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. There's no caveat here. Have you ever tried to like, find that in Scripture? Like, oh, but Jesus wasn't thinking of this one thing. He wasn't thinking of this one particular situation. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. I mean, that pretty much nails it. Above all, clothe yourselves, there it is again, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Now, doesn't perfect harmony sound good? Last night going into the game, uh, they had security there for obvious reasons. Right, nobody questions that. It's like, oh, yeah, security, that's smart. Large gathering, something could happen. Uh, they asked me to empty my pockets. I had to pull out my uh, dried mangoes that I snuck in. It was a little bit embarrassing. Uh, I'm too cheap to pay for concessions. That's where I'm at. <laughs> they also they, they, uh, saw my knife that I carry, my pocket knife. I couldn't bring that in, couldn't bring any weapons in. It's like, come on, it's a pocket knife. Um, but, you know, you start thinking about it a little bit. All right, it's probably a good idea. Uh, what an amazing thing it would be to go to a large event and, and have no concerns about security, right? To get on a plane, have no concerns about security. Why? What's the solution? How do we get there? Make allowance for each other's faults to forgive people because Jesus forgave us. Right? It is in that kind of environment where there's perfect harmony. Right? So if you don't have perfect harmony in your relationship with your spouse, I just gave you the, the solution. Right? Now it's up to you to carry it out, which is not hard. Or it's not difficult. <laughs> uh, it is very difficult. But this is the solution. How do we do this? By keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, right? That's why it says right in there, remember the Lord forgave you. This is how we forgive others, right? We don't forgive others by going through a process of weighing the pros and cons and thinking about how, you know, bitterness is actually, you know, so bad for us that it's, 
we're, we're no longer hurting them, we're hurting ourselves. And so in order to uh, not hurt ourselves more than we're hurting them, we go ahead and decide to forgive. And we forgive because we recognize that Jesus forgave us when we did not deserve it. When we deserved exactly the opposite. This is our motivation for forgiveness. This is how we actually truly forgive somebody, with our eyes fixed fully on Jesus. So when I'm talking about Christian clothing, uh, I've got some examples of what I'm not talking about, okay? If you have either of these items, I apologize to you. Uh, you know, make allowance for each other's faults. But I'm not talking about this. And I'm not talking about putting like a fish symbol on your vehicle, uh, which by the way, I would never do because I know I'm not gonna represent Jesus very well in my vehicle. So, <laughs> I mean, I am not gonna do that ever. We're talking about our character, the, the way in which we form our lives, the way we choose to live. Tender-hearted mercy, for example. Who in your circle needs some tender-hearted mercy? Patience. Who do you need to be patient with? Who do you need to be as patient with as Christ is patient with you? Who do you need to be gentle with? Who needs a gentle touch? Who needs to be encouraged? Who needs to be forgiven? Who needs to be loved? Who needs to be pursued? What does it look like in your life to clothe yourself with love? To clothe yourself with your new identity in Christ? So that when people think of you, as people know you, they are seeing Christ in you. Because Christ in you is all that matters. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we pray that you would help us fix our eyes on you. That you would help us remove distractions from our life. And that as we do that, Lord, we pray for your transforming power to move in our lives. Father, we are caught so easily in distractions. We are so easily led into sin. We pray that you would protect us, that you would watch over us, that you would lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Father, we are your children, and we plead with you that you will help us Focus fully and completely on you. Father, we ask that you would renew us, that you would help us do this work of remodeling. Father, help us to fix our eyes on you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for listening. It is a joy to be able to share God's truth with you. Hopefully you found this teaching helpful to your understanding of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus in today's world, and hopefully you are inspired to take a further step of faith. Please let us know how we can be praying for you as you continue your journey. If you live in the Anchorage area, you are welcome to join us any Sunday. And we have an Awaken 101 event every six weeks, and this is also a great way to find out more about our church. Please sign up for that event by going to the events tab at our website, awakenalaska.com, and looking for Awaken 101. Feel free to share this podcast with your friends, and we will see you next week.